Why, hello there, you excellent person, you. I'm Dave Rubin, this is the Rubin Report Direct Message, and today is October 5th, 2021. Do me a favor, share our videos, subscribe to our channel, and tap the notification bell. Uh, we got three stories for you. One of them is breaking right at this very minute. There is a hearing on Capitol Hill with a Facebook whistleblower, and I've been watching the hearing and watching all the clips fly on Twitter and elsewhere, and it's quite interesting. We're gonna show you four clips of this thing because at first she was kind of saying, yeah, you know, these big tech companies and Facebook specifically are very evil and they're manipulating us and making us depressed and, you know, driving political polarization. But then suddenly she started prescribing what the government should do, which is an odd thing to do as a whistleblower. A whistleblower, you would think, would just give you the information. Oh, this is all the bad stuff, the secret stuff that I'm exposing. But then suddenly in the midst of the hearing, she started acting a little bit more like an activist and actually prescribing what Congress should do. And you're not going to believe it, but it involves censorship. Yeah, of course, of course. Uh, so is she a whistleblower or a plant? We'll discuss. Uh, part two of today's show, uh, you know Joe Biden, uh, let's go Brandon, that guy. He uh, is talking about this debt situation and we've been talking a lot about it, how they're pushing this idea that $3.5 trillion equals zero dollars because they're just gonna steal it from the rich people and the corporations because they don't pay their fair share, even though they pay pretty much everything. Uh, well, he gave a ridiculous, ramblingly, mostly incoherent, little chat about what the debt ceiling is and debt in general and that, you know, we can pay back because we just go into, well, you'll see, you'll see. That was my version of Joe Biden right there. And then finally, this one, I mean, this is just gonna be an ongoing thing, unfortunately. I think we've tra uh, crossed what I would say is a very strange and, and dangerous Rubicon in America. Uh, Kirsten Cinema, who is the uh, senator from Arizona, we showed the video yesterday of her being harassed in the bathroom. I think it was it at Arizona State University, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Um, well, now she was on a plane where she got harassed again, then at an airport after, so we're gonna show you some video. And we've sort of said now, it's okay to get up in their face, which as you guys know, this is exactly what Maxine Waters and many of the Democrats were saying all along. You can get up in their face. She was talking about Republicans, but now it has come home even to her Democrat people. Should we do an ad first or are we going right into story number one? We're gonna do story number one? All right, there you go. Uh, all right, so let's talk about this Facebook whistleblower, uh, whistleblower situation. So this woman by the name of Frances Hogan, she is actually testifying right now as we speak. You might have it even open in another window because that's one of the things that the internet does. You can have 800 windows open. You can pay attention to 800 things. You can actually overload your brain until you're nothing but a drooling zombie. But I know you wouldn't do that. You're watching me, you're focused, you're paying attention, you're learning, and you're gonna transmit this information to other people. Uh, anyway, she is testifying right now, and she's a Facebook whistleblower, basically bringing some information to light on how Facebook manipulates people, how it's leading to political division, how they're data mining, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff that we all know, right? We all know this stuff is happening. Nothing that I heard her say, or that you're about to hear, I think is so mind-blowing, and I would also, uh, preface this all by saying that, you know, we've done this before, right? Like we've been 
to this rodeo before where Congress has these hearings about big tech. Usually it's a bunch of old people who don't even know how to turn on their computers. They're asking tech people things. We never get real answers. People lie under oath as Jack Dorsey did to Ted Cruz. I mean, you've seen all of these things. And even the guys that I like, say like Ted Cruz or Rand Paul or whatever, they ask good questions, but then nothing ever happens after the hearing. And one other thing before I show you the video, you know, I kept saying all along, when Trump was president, it was like there was a chance to do something then. And I was always leery of the government getting involved because what happens if Trump wasn't president and then suddenly the Democrats were in power and now you've married big tech and the government even further. That seems to be the direction we are now heading in. So we've got four videos from her and I think you'll see why they each get more disturbing. Here's number one. They want you to believe in false choices. They want you to believe that you must choose between a Facebook full of divisive and extreme content or losing one of the most important values our country was founded upon, free speech. That you must choose between public oversight of Facebook's choices and your personal privacy. That to be able to share fun photos of your kids with old friends, you must also be inundated with anger-driven virality. They want you to believe that this is just part of the deal. I am here today to tell you that's not true. Okay, so far so good, right? We all kind of know this stuff. There's nothing that she said there that I think you're going, oh my God, I can't believe Facebook's doing that. Like, we know it's sort of driving political division. We know that they manipulate the feed, right? The feed, if it was unmanipulated, would be purely chronological. I think that's what we mostly thought when we signed up for these things, say 20 years ago. We thought, oh, I follow someone or I follow an organization or a school or whatever it might be, and I'm just gonna have a feed that's gonna be fed to me chronologically. Then of course the algorithms got involved, they start looking at your behaviors and they start feeding you more things, they could try to push you one way politically or another way, all sorts of things. So she says all that and I don't think that's any anywhere is mind blowing. And then of course she mentions that this is sort of an assault on free speech because they're giving you false choices between things and of course an assault on privacy. So, so far, uh, pretty good, right? Like she's saying things that we believe to be true, nothing major new under the sun there. Here's clip number two. Could you talk more about why engagement-based ranking is dangerous and do you think Congress should seek to pass legislation like the Filter Bubble Transparency Act that would give users the ability to avoid engagement-based ranking altogether? Facebook is going to say, you don't wanna give up engagement-based ranking. You're not gonna like Facebook as much if we're not picking out the content for you. That's, that's just not true. There are a lot of, Facebook likes to present things as false choices, like you have to choose between having lots of spam. Like let's say imagine we ordered our feeds by time, like on iMessage or on um, their other forms of, of social media that are chronologically based. They're gonna say, you're gonna get spam, you're gonna get spammed, like you're not gonna enjoy your feed. The reality is that those experiences have a lot of permutations. There are ways that we can make those experiences where computers don't regulate what we see. We together socially regulate what we see. Um, but they don't want us to have that conversation because Facebook knows that when they pick out their, the content that we focus on using computers, we spend more time on their platform, they make more money. Um, the dangers of engagement-based ranking are that Facebook knows that content that elicits an extreme reaction from you is more likely to get a click, a comment, or reshare. And it's interesting because those clicks and comments and reshares aren't even necessarily for your benefit. 
It's because they know that other people will produce more content if they get the likes and comments and reshares. They prioritize content in your feed so that you will give little hits of dopamine to your friends so they will create more content. And they have run experiments on people, producer side experiments, where they have confirmed this. Okay, so now we're getting to something interesting here, right? We're getting a little bit more of a look under the hood. As I said, we all sort of thought we were getting this unmanipulated feed years ago, but we all know it's been manipulated. And what she's saying there is the more that you do things that outrage people, let's say, the more that that drives engagement and gets more clicks and likes and comments and all that, the more they're gonna show you a certain type of thing. And that if they left it just to us, to our own devices, well, we might not be on the platform as much. Our uh, engagement and the amount of time that we let that thing suck us off for, there's an, how about that? Um, that it would go down, and obviously that's not what they want. So that's kind of interesting. And it goes to the, the tension between, oh, can we just have what I think Facebook was originally designed to be, this place where you could reconnect with old friends and family members, know a little bit about people, maybe get a little bit, bit of information, versus sort of the, the monolithic sort of all-encompassing force that it is now part of all of our lives. And I actually want to relate a little of this to YouTube, although this hearing is not specifically about YouTube, but we know, I do a show on YouTube, right? We, we do pretty well around here. Uh, but we know that YouTube has a feed and al an algorithm that feeds you guys different things. So right now, if you're watching this video, you probably have suggested videos on the side. We hope, and we do everything we can, we've got our guy Chris, who is a great YouTube optimization guy. We hope that most of those videos are our videos so that you'll click around through our videos, right? We are in business and part of the business is that we keep you watching. Now, I am not in the business of keeping you outraged and angry and trying to drag you down some conspiracy hole and everything else, but YouTube is sort of designed the same way she was just describing Facebook, which is the more engagement there is on certain things, the more you might wanna click it. And if they see you perhaps going in a certain political way and they want you to go down that way, could they fill that feed to keep pushing you that way? Or could they fill that feed with things to push you elsewhere? You start thinking for yourself and they kind of don't like that. You start questioning, I don't know, vaccine mandates or something. Well, they wouldn't really want that. So they could fill your feed up in other ways. So I often say this, but it's not the ways that they manipulate us that we know about that I'm worried about. It's the ways that we don't know. Uh, we've got two more videos for you, and this is where this thing took a bit of a turn. Uh, because you could see a hint of it there where suddenly, uh, the way the question was framed, it was sort of like, should the government do something? And then the next two pieces here are really interesting. Here she's talking about Facebook's outage yesterday, which if you don't know, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all went down for about four hours yesterday. There was, people were smiling. People were out on the streets. They were happy. But it did go down for four hours. Here's what she said about that. Yesterday we saw Facebook get taken off the internet. I don't know why it went down, but I know that for more than five hours, Facebook wasn't used to deepen divides, destabilize democracies, and make young girls and women feel bad about their bodies. 
Now that's pretty interesting, right? We know that these things are doing this. We know there was this study just released that Instagram is making young girls depressed because they see their bodies in real life versus what everybody else's filtered body looks like on Instagram and then they start having body issues and depression and all sorts of stuff. We know that we're staring at these things nonsensically. We know that food doesn't look as good in person as it does with a nice little Instagram filter. Uh, but there she's sort of talking about the general state, how this stuff, uh, when it disappears for four hours, that there's a relief in a way, right? And I think a lot of people said that, uh, you know, ironically on Twitter, Twitter was blowing up yesterday because all of the Facebook people were like, oh, where can I do my little dopamine hit? Must connect with other people, cannot sit in a room and have to think or read a book, must go to Twitter. And they go to Twitter and then get the same sort of thing. Now here's the fourth clip and this is where things took a turn. So, so far she's basically saying things that we know, there's a little bit underhood stuff, uh, but now note the shift from sort of whistleblower to activist. But I'm here today because I believe Facebook's products harm children, stoke division, and weaken our democracy. The company's leadership knows how to make Facebook and Instagram safer but won't make the necessary changes because they have put their astronomical profits before people. Congressional action is needed. They won't solve this crisis without your help. Ah, congressional action is needed. Now this is where it's interesting because it's like, all right, I hear everything you're saying there. I agree with it and as I said, I'm not a big fan of big tech. I started a tech company to fight this stuff. I think we have no idea how we're being manipulated. They are doing horrific things to all of us. It is a threat to democracy. I think that's, you're all good on that front. But then suddenly she shifted to activists, which is, oh, I've exposed this stuff. Maybe some of it's not that new, but now what I'm calling for is you guys, the government, to step in. Now what she's basically saying is step in and start censoring things or break up these companies or something. Now, you know my feelings on this, like I would prefer the government not do anything. I think there's some sane argument as I've talked about with J.D. Vance and Tucker Carlson and my interviewee uh, this week, Blake Masters. Uh, we've talked about how maybe you could break them up at some level so that Facebook goes down, Insta uh, Instagram and WhatsApp all don't go down. Like there's probably a way to decentralize some of this stuff so that it's a little less ubiquitous in every part of our life at all times. Um, but that the whistleblower, that her concerns become a prescription for, oh, government, could you jump in on this? And I sense what's gonna happen because of this is a lot of people, mostly on the left, are gonna watch this and go, ah, see, further proof that they're manipulating us, true. What can we do? Oh, the government must do something. The government must make sure that our feeds are not manipulated and everything else. And of course, the irony here is that if Trump was president, they would never be calling for those things because they thought the government was evil. Now their people are in charge, so they don't think it's evil anymore. Um, and the fact that, you know, we don't have to be on these things. We really don't. And I understand that I'm a creature of the internet and you're watching me on the internet and I got a YouTube show and an Instagram and all of these things, right? Um, but we don't have to be on these things that we know are really doing something very, very dangerous to all of us. And you know, as a guy that takes every August off the grid, you know, when I come back, it's like I get smacked in the face with all of the craziness, and it seems particularly crazy. And then now we're in October; it's like I'm, you know, basically five weeks since I've been back, and I'm just back in the madness with you, just like I never left, right? Like that's part of the problem that we, I think, you person watching this, have to figure out what your relationship 
with this thing, this Borg, this, this giant tech monster is going to be. And if that's at the expense of watching less YouTube shows, if that's what works for you, then I'm okay with that. If that's at the expense of, you know, deleting some of these apps, like just saying, okay, I don't need to be on Facebook. I did connect with all of those people from high school 20 years ago. Turns out I don't like most of them. They don't even like me. I'll figure out other ways to get pictures of my sisters, brothers, cousins, nephews, aunts, niece. Um, then we should all be thinking about those things. Because in those four hours yesterday when Facebook went down, it was like people did feel free. And I, you know, we have a Facebook page for the show that we promote stuff on because it's just part of the business here. But I'm, I'm not on Facebook and I'm okay. I have, I have friends. We had, a, we had a dinner party last night. Real people. And we sat around the table and we ate and drank. It was quite extraordinary. And, and maybe we got to get back to a little bit of that. But anyway, uh, all of this being said, I think that the hearing there, which I think is still ongoing as we're doing this right now, took a very strange turn. And this is one of those ones where you could just put a pin in it, put a pin in what I just talked about here today, about how she made some valid points about internet censorship, the way they're manipulating us. But then it took this turn to, oh, government do something. And that seems to be the spot that we're in in America right now. No matter what bad thing is happening, the answer seems to always be, oh, government do something. No matter how bad and incompetent these people are, we keep turning to them to solve our problems. And by the way, they never do solve our problems. And the idea that some government bureaucrat is gonna go into Facebook, some regulator, some dorky, you know, pencil in his pocket regulator is gonna walk into Facebook and be like, let me look at the algorithm. I'm gonna make sure everything's okay because I work at the government. It's like, that ain't how it's gonna be, people. So figure out your relationship with this thing. And uh, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, guys, before we get to story number two, I want to talk to you about Canva. You know, making content is an essential part of what my team and I do to keep the show going. That's quite a segue from what we were just talking about. But it hasn't always been a seamless creative process from videos, social media, our website and our locals community to merchandise, business cards, and even my book cover. Our design skills have been challenged in ways we could have never imagined. Fortunately, we have recently found Canva Pro and now we can design anything like a pro on any device. This thing is really great and we are using it. Canva Pro is, designed, uh, is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Choose from thousands of templates that are easy to customize or start from scratch. Canva Pro has endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add personality and edge to whatever you're designing. Designing together has never been easier. Sharing, editing, and commenting in real time. Canva Pro helps you stay organized on the same page and on top of team projects. No more misplaced files or tedious back and forth. Plus, you and four teammates can unlock everything Canva Pro has to offer for just $12.99 a month. And with Canva Pro's content planner, you'll save time planning, creating, and posting social media content as well. Pause scheduled posts and edit them at any time. Design like a pro with Canva Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash Ruben to get your four 45-day extended free trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash Ruben. Canva.me slash Ruben. Now, now back to me. All right, let's talk about this Joe Biden guy. Uh, you know, he's been drawing some crowds suddenly. Uh, I saw, I think he's in Michigan today. Is he in Michigan? Am I right? Uh, and, uh, you know, he normally doesn't draw crowds, but now crowds are showing up and they're chanting, let's go, Brandon. If you don't know what I'm referring to, you should watch our uh, video from yesterday. And yeah, he is in Michigan. There's a big 
group of people there and they're chanting, let's go Brandon, and they have signs and everything. So finally, Joe Biden is drawing a crowd. That's very exciting. Uh, well, anyway, the big thing going on uh, with Joe at the moment is that he is really trying to push for this $3.5 trillion spending package. Now, I was thinking when we were putting this segment together, $3.5 trillion, like, do you know how many zeros that is? It's an off, what did we figure out it was? It's like 11, how many digits? Give me how many digits? I think it's 11 or 12, something like that, 3.5 trillion, okay? It's a lot of digits. But it's an unfathomable, unfathomable number, okay? It's so much money, it's absolutely ridiculous. And if the government was to say, we're spending $10 on something, but it costs zero, that would also be a lie. So they are just lying to you at the craziest way. 3.5 trillion, I'm being told, is 12 zeros. That's an awful lot of cash, okay, people? Uh, but they're pushing this thing, and now, of course, we know what's happening with uh, Kirsten Cinema and with Joe Manchin. They are just under endless assault, and their base is basically stalking them. We're gonna get to that in just a second. But here's Joe explaining how debt works, and you tell me if any of this makes sense. To borrow what, when needed. And in that case, we're able to borrow because we always pay our debt. We always pay what we owe. We've never failed. That's America. That's who we are. That's what's called for. It's called full faith and credit of the United States. It's rock solid. It's the best in the world. But here's the deal. There's a cap on what we can borrow called the debt limit. And only Congress can raise or lower that debt limit. So let me be really clear. This is really important to know. Raising the debt limit is about paying off our old debts. There's nothing to do with any new spending being considered. There's nothing to do with my plan for infrastructure or building back better. Zero. Zero. Both of which I might add are paid for. So if we're going to make good on what's already been approved by previous Congresses and previous presidents and parties, we have to pay for it. Social Security benefits, the American people are promised, salaries for servicemen and women, benefits for veterans. We're going to have to raise the debt limits. We're going to meet those obligations. Man, he's such a liar, but I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here, which is that he's just reading something else that somebody put in front of him, right? So it's, he's not even sure exactly what he's saying. Uh, but I'll even go a little further than that. What he is reading right there is basically true, meaning that's the way the government works. We're always in debt, we borrow more money to pay off that debt, and if we don't raise that debt ceiling, then we will default. That concept is right. It doesn't mean we should be doing it forever. It doesn't mean that it works. Does it seem to you guys that this thing is working right now as inflation is rising? Like, it's obviously not working. Um, the line, though, it's all trickery the way they say things, right? Because the line where he says raising debt is about old debt, meaning we borrow more money to pay off the old stuff. It's not about the new stuff. It's not about the new stuff. He even says, well, we're gonna pay for that. And by the way, the way he's paying for that is that he's taking money from corporations and wealthy individuals who pay most of the taxes. And by the way, do you think it's possible, and I know, you know I'm a nut job, I'm a right-wing freedom extremist. Do you think it's possible, Joe, putting aside debt for a second, let's say you get your $3.5 trillion by taxing corporations and wealthy individuals. So you take money from them 
to pay for the stuff that you want. Let's say you do that. Do you think it's possible that that could have issues that cascade throughout the economy? Do you think it's possible that perhaps those corporations that you took the money from uh, may fire people? Do you think it's possible that the rich people who uh, you took the money from may stop spending as much money and that could affect the housing market or virtually any other market because when rich people have money, they usually spend it and that works throughout the economy. Um, I know they don't wanna talk about that, but like it might. I'm just saying if you take a 3.5 trillion away from a certain set of the economy to do whatever you want with it, it might have you know some effect on the economy. Uh, but the broader point here is that even though Joe is is not lying in a traditional sense. It's like he is lying because he knows that, you know, that zero, that 3.5 trillion isn't zero. He knows that he's using the language. Oh, it's not new debt, it's old debt. You know, you also pay interest on debt. So it's like, it's all lies. But the bigger issue here is how do we get out of this? Like if, if you're watching this and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, um, let's say I have a $10,000 credit card limit. I remember when I was pretty much broke, when I was doing stand-up in New York, and I was pretty much broke and I got my first credit card and I think I had a $1,500 limit. And I would often hit that limit and then my credit card would not work. And then I'd have to make a minimum payment and then uh, I would get hit by interest and sometimes late penalties and all those things. And in essence, that's how you get out of debt because you start realizing, oh, I'm being penalized for this. I better not spend money I don't have. I have to act responsibly, right? And then I started doing those things and now I'm very proud to say not only do I have no personal debt, but I have no company debt. We're, we're running a, a really beautiful operation here that's in the black. It's pretty great and then I can employ people and we can do good things, like it's very cool. But instead with the government, what he's saying is, well, we've always done it this way. The whole American system is this. We borrow money, we don't have any money to pay for it, so we raise the ceiling to borrow more money. You're not allowed to do that. Think about you, whatever your credit card limit is right now, if you hit that limit, you can't call the credit card company and be like, oh, could you guys just give me another credit card so I can pay off that credit card? Or could you just raise the limit on that credit card? So what do we do about this? Because Joe's kinda right. Okay, this is, this is what the full faith and credit of the United States is. It's all nonsense. Well, yeah, okay, fine. Well, we gotta figure out a way to not be doing that. That I don't have an answer for you on this Tuesday morning. I will have to think about how we get out of that. Maybe it involves some kind of crypto situation. Uh, or at some point, the government would have to do what the rest of us do, which is if I can't afford it, we cannot pay for it. And we gotta figure out how to, how to pay back what we owe. You know, if we keep borrowing and borrowing, not only does it cause inflation so our dollar will be worthless and could crush the economy altogether, which I kinda think that's what the Democrats want at this point, but do you think it's possible that the people that we borrow money from, say China, have you heard about this country, China? Michael, you've heard about China, right? You heard about China. Let's say China's like, you know, they're looking at the books and they're going, well, you know, these Americans, they, they owe us an awful lot of money and, and they keep borrowing money from us to pay off the money that they borrowed from us already. Uh, we're gonna call in that debt. Do you know what happens when they call in that debt? We basically end up at war because we have guns still, right? Like that's the one thing we've got. We've got big bombs. And if they're like, you know what? We wanna be paid now. This is sort of like a mafia situation, right? Like when you go, in, I mean, watch Sopranos, watch Goodfellas, watch any mafia movie. Actually, if you wanna watch a great mafia movie, uh, the Sopranos prequel movie just came out on, uh, on HBO. I watched it this weekend, it's really fantastic. Um, but in essence, it's like, you know how you get money from people? You break legs, 
right? You shoot somebody, and that's what we're, we're gonna be ended up because we're constantly getting further into debt. So sorry, Democrats, you cannot spend this money even if you think it's free, which it ain't. You can't do it, and we gotta put, we have to get people to understand basic economics, and just basic like, why should the government get away with a whole bunch of shit that you can't get away with? That would be my prescription for that. All right, third story, which is loosely connected to all of this. Uh, you know, we showed you the video, we're gonna show about 20 seconds of it uh, in just a moment. Yesterday, of Kirsten Cinema being harassed at Arizona State University, where activists, an illegal immigrant, that is what she is, an illegal immigrant, okay? whether that offends you or not, chased her into the bathroom. A bunch of other activists did. They're not happy that she won't sign off on this $3.5 trillion bill. She has her reasons. She's not as sort of bananas lefty as most of the other Democrats are. And her and Joe Manchin are holding the line on this along with all of the Republicans. But the activist base uh, is not happy. So they chased her first into the bathroom. Here's a little bit of that. Okay, I'll be back. Today we want to talk to you real quick. Can we talk to you real quick? Hi, actually, I am heading out. But, um, right now is a real moment that our people need in order for us to be able to talk about what's really happening. We need a Build Back Better plan right now. We, we knocked on doors. We need solutions. The Build Back Better plan need has the solutions that we need. We knocked on doors for you to get you elected. Okay, so there's a lot more of that. If you wanna see the extended version of it, you can watch our show from yesterday. Uh, the danger in this, of course, is that if we allow citizens, be they legal or not, although if you're not legal, you're not a citizen. If we allow people that are in America to chase politicians into bathrooms and to follow them home and whatever else is coming or is happening right now, do you see why this could lead us to a very, very bad place that whatever Republican politicians do, Democrat activists will show up for. Whatever Democrat politicians do, Republican activists will show up for. And we will end up in creating a situation that will start getting extremely dangerous. Like at some level she was threatened there. But you know what? Uh, Nobody, no mainstream people were offering her any defense yesterday. Yeah, the, the usual crazies online were offering her defense. Uh, and by the way, if that was AOC going to the bathroom and there were, say, MAGA supporters, Trump supporters following into the, her, into the bathroom yelling at her, first off, not only would that be, uh, you know, front page news everywhere, right? It would be nonstop insurrection to they're coming. But I would speak out against it, obviously. I, I don't like AOC. I think she's an idiot. I think she's a bad actor. I think she's dumb. I think she's ridiculous. I think she's all of the worst things about our public discourse and, and her ideas, wh whatever ideas are actually hers, are completely antithetical to everything that I've spent my life now trying to promote, right? But I would not be for activists chasing her into a bathroom or activists chasing her, stalking her at home or anything else. But the left, because they believe politics is everything, right? No God, no belief, but you end up believing in something and they believe that politics is everything. So you're allowed to do whatever you want to get to those ends. So not only did that happen yesterday, but then Kirsten Cinema got on an airplane and you're not gonna believe it, but an activist was there as well. this for too long. I just need to know if you can commit to passing 
about the reconciliation that would include immigration and citizenship for people to be protected, like me and many others. Can you commit to that, Senator? to disturb you, but I just want to get a commitment that you'll do what I want as we're on a plane right now and we're not going to socially distance and I'm going to get my head this close to you and everything else. Can I be very clear? This is why I now fly first class, because of the curtain. That curtain, people can't get through the curtain. They see the curtain. They don't know what's happening on the other side of the curtain. They wonder. They know there's a cleaner bathroom up there. They, they suspect that it's cleaner. It's got to be cleaner than what's going on in the back of the plane, but they fear the curtain. They don't want to touch the curtain. They don't want to move around the curtain, and then someone will yell at them. You can't come up here. That's the bathroom for these people. So Cinema, yeah, I guess she's a woman of the people. It looks like she was uh, sitting in, in coach and not on the other side. But Kirsten, if you watch the show, I would highly recommend first or business class because the curtain, it's an iron curtain and it'll keep them out. Do you understand, cinema? Um, anyway, the point of this is that we are now saying, sort of in society, you can approach these people at any moment, you can guilt them. I mean, that girl, it doesn't even matter what she was saying, but she's such a victim. And if you don't what do what I want, if you don't spend those $3.5 trillion, then this won't happen. X, Y, Z won't happen that I want to happen. You're going to do this to illegal immigrants or whatever. It's like, you know what? She was elected, Kirsten Cinema. She's allowed to make decisions and you're allowed to like them or not like them. But I'm telling you guys, what is happening right now with the tacit approval from mainstream media, because they won't just call this out, is going to lead to something very dangerous. Much like when all those activists showed up at Tucker Carlson's house, remember that? And his wife and his two children had to hide. They, were sho they showed up at his house outside of DC. Tucker ended up leaving his house. He no longer lives there. Or in the same case, when Mayor Ted Wheeler, lefty nutbag Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler, who destroyed Portland with his crazy lefty policies, well then activists showed up at his house because he wasn't even left enough for them. And you know what he did? He had to move out of his apartment complex. Well, when will it be that they'll just punch someone in the head? Perhaps someone in a, in a gorilla mask might throw an egg at a California gubernatorial candidate, something crazy like that. Then it continued when she actually landed. Here's some video from the airport. The irony, as we finish up this segment, because you know I like to give you a silver lining, is that if you think that these activists have in any way influenced Kirsten Cinema, that she'll be like, you know what, I was harassed enough. When they came up to me on the plane and they came up to me in the bathroom and they came up to me in the terminal, I finally thought about it and these activists are right. And I will sign that bill that I think makes no sense and I'll do what they want. Now, I understand there's an inclination to do that, right? Like there absolutely is and I think we see a lot of this in public discourse right now. This is what sort of cancel culture and the outrage mob is. You pressure someone enough with enough hate online or showing up to their house or on a plane or making it miserable when they're at, uh, say, uh, uh, going out to eat, which we played, we played the video yesterday, the Maxine Waters video, I think we did, right? 
Or did we not play it on the show? I put it on Twitter. You all know that Maxine Waters video. We'll, we'll pull it up tomorrow because it's a perfect example of this. Uh, at the peak uh, of the riots, the BLM stuff and the Antifa stuff where she was screaming about get in their face. And if they're out to eat, show them. Well, this is what the Democrats want. They are telling you exactly what they want. And remember, if it was Republicans doing any of these things, we'd be in an impeachment. We'd be being told, being told that white supremacy is everywhere and all of the other crazy nonsense. So the silver lining is I don't think this will push Kirsten Cinema. I understand the inclination to be like, oh, I just want this to go away. I'll sign the freaking bill. But I sense she's realizing how rabid the, the base is. And, and this rabid activist, genderless base that the Democratic Party has is now in complete control. In complete control, except that there are two Democrats who are trying to stand for something somewhat sane. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. And the irony is they're not saying we can't spend any money. Like my preference would be that you just cut the budget of the United States government completely. If you cut the budget 40%, you know, we're laying off hospital workers now, we're laying off airline pilots and all of these things because of vaccine mandates. I'm okay with laying off some government employees. Most of them aren't doing much of anything. I think they're probably usually decent people, but we have this absurdly giant government machine that always is spending more and more money. So I would just cut the budget of that. They're not even saying that. They're not even saying we can't raise the ceiling. They're not saying don't spend any money. I think I mentioned it yesterday. Uh, Joe Manchin saying, I would just prefer this thing be $1.5 trillion. Like that's still an awful lot of money, but the rabid base is in control and they've got mainstream media and it is fueled by big tech, which takes us full circle to story number one. Thus a complete program today on the Rubin Report. Uh, guys, we just posted this morning my interview with Kevin Surdy. Uh, you know, I've been telling you that I'm getting just an incredible amount of emails from hospital workers and from airline pilots and, and just from people. I mean, it doesn't matter what job you're in. I'm getting all of these emails from people who are being laid off at work. Well, Kevin Surdy, I saw uh, a tweet of his that went viral. Uh, he is an ER nurse and an EMT uh, in Long Island. He actually is running for Congress in the very district that I grew up in. It's New York's third district, North Shore of Long Island and Queens. Uh, he is an ER nurse. He is for vaccines, but he is against mandates. And he had a Twitter thread about how he knows plenty of nurses that are now being laid off because they are not okay with the mandate. Uh, so we did just a short mini interview because I think it's important to get some of these voices out there and then you make a decision for yourselves, right? Like that's what he did. That's what most people are trying to do for themselves uh, without constantly being told. Because you know, once they tell you, you can't talk about this and you have to inject that, you think they're gonna stop? Pretty sure that they won't. I know a little something about human psychology. Uh, so that is up right now on YouTube. Uh, and if you wanna play along and uh, you know, chat with me directly and all sorts of other fun stuff, join us at rubinreport.locals.com and I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. And don't forget, you can watch my direct messages live on Blaze TV and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And of course, if you want to connect with me personally and get early access to my sit-down interviews, join rubinreport.locals.com.